Good morning. I am very thankful that you're all here this morning. Uh, I, uh, golly. You ever have something that's just, uh, maybe it's in your devotion or it's just in your mind, in your devotion time, quiet time, whatever, and uh, you, it's a thought or maybe a story and you read it and you, you think about it and then you get something out of it and you go, okay, I'm done. And then you, you know, try to move on to something else and then God brings you back to it. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Just like riding down the road, thought comes right back to you again. You're sitting there thinking about it and then you dwell on it for a day or two and then you're like, okay, I think I got it. Ray shakes his head. Thank you, Ray. And, and you think you got it, you know, and you're like, okay, God, I got you. I hear you. And then, you're like, I, I think I got it, I'm done, and then it comes right back. For the last couple of months, that's what this is. I've been circling this one story, and uh, I would read it and in the Bible, and then I would come back to it, and I would get something out of it, and I'd say, okay, God, I think I got it, and then I'd just have to come back and read it again. And uh, I wasn't sure what God wanted us to do with it at the church. As a matter of fact, the staff will tell you that it has been the topic of quite a few staff conversations. Uh, I'd bring it back and I'd say, guys, man, this is, a, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what my heart is just, what, what is God saying in this? And, and then I would think that we were done and then I had to come right back to it. <laughs> and I drove him crazy. Uh, it's, taken, it's taken a while. But I think I finally get what God was trying to say, and I think I know how he wanted me to use it. I think he wanted me to use it here this morning. And uh, so this morning, I need to tell you a story. And uh, I've been all around it. And uh, I would like to tell you this story and see if maybe you think it's something that you needed to hear. Is that fair? Shake your head yes at me if you're okay with that. Thank you. If you will, you can turn your Bibles to John chapter 13. If not, I'm going to tell the story anyway, so it's not super important that you're there, but that way you know where it's from. John chapter 13, and um, where we pick up in the story is Jesus and his disciples are in Jerusalem, and it's time for the Passover celebration. And uh, uh, if you don't know what Passover celebration is, basically it is the, uh, uh, Jew, the Jews are celebrating their deliverance from Egypt uh, God delivered them from Egypt, saved them from bondage there, and they're celebrating that with a feast, okay, with, a, with basically a, a big celebration dinner. And so Jesus and his disciples, they're going to celebrate that, and Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, guys, I want to celebrate it with you here in Jerusalem, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and find bread. I want you to go and get wine, and I want you to go, and you're going to run into this guy. You're going to meet him, and we're going to use his house for our dinner, and we're going to go to the upper room of his house, and we're going to stay there. And that's where we're going to have uh, our Passover celebration. So Jesus tells them. They go out to do that. Now, uh, before we move on, I kind of need to set the tone, because as I continued to come back to this story, and as I continued to read this story, I kept feeling like, feeling like God was telling me that I needed to, I needed to try to see it from Jesus' perspective. Okay? 
that I needed to see what was happening, what they were about to do, what they were about to partake in through Jesus' perspective. So that's what I tried to do in the story, and I would like for you guys to try to do that with me as well. But in order to do that, you've got to understand what happened, okay? So Jesus has been in his ministry for three, three and a half years, essentially, and they arrive in Jerusalem with quite a bit of pomp and circumstance, right? The, I mean, they bring him in Jerusalem. It's a big deal because of everything Jesus has been doing in and around Galilee. The whole world's essentially heard of him now. Okay? So when he comes into Jerusalem, he gets there and is immediately met with opposition. And that opposition was the religious leaders of the time called the Pharisees. And if I went back, man, I just looked at, at what happened when he got to Jerusalem. Basically, it was confrontation after confrontation. The, the Pharisees coming to him and saying, well, what about this and what about that? And trying to trick him. And every single time Jesus would look at him, and I, I, I guess the best way to describe it, and I know Jesus is... He's, he's the peacemaker. I mean, he is love. But I'm going to tell you something. Those were heated conversations between him and the Pharisees because if there's one thing Jesus can't stand is religion. So Jesus does that. So he's having all these confrontations. He clears the temple when he gets to Jerusalem because they're selling things inside the temple and doing things they're not supposed to be doing. He clears the temple, tells everybody, get out because of what they're doing. He preaches on hypocrisy to groups of people in Jerusalem. He uh, talks about the Roman rule over the Jews at that time. Would you say that Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem was controversial? Shake your heads yes if that's what you... Okay. So, so you have to know that. So Jesus comes, and, I, and this is what I... He wanted everybody to know. I am here. And I'm here to tell you something. I'm here to change things. Now because of that, the religious leaders at the time, the, the Pharisees, they began to plot. And they began to scheme. They came up with a plan, and they're going to kill Jesus. So at the time of the Passover celebration, as Jesus sends his disciples out, it's not just, oh, they're going to celebrate something that they always do, or, oh, we're just coming together for a meal. Jesus knows this is the end. It's about to be over. He knows every scheme and every plot. He knows every, the name of every single person in Jerusalem that hates him. And he knows they're coming after him. So before we get into the dinner, I need you guys to be with me right here, okay? We're going to see this through the eyes of Jesus. Jesus knows that in 24 hours, he's going to be beaten to a, I'm sorry, I'm, this is going to be tough for me. He's going to be beaten for, to a pulp. He knows he's going to be nailed on a cross. He, know, he knows all. He knows that every single, I mean, his whole life has been about what's about to happen. And he knows that he's about to go to this dinner. And it's one of the last times that he's going to sit down with the 12 men who he's been trying to lead and trying to teach for the last three and a half years. Are you seeing it? Are you with me? He knows that when he walks into that room, that one of those 12 men is going to betray him. A man that he loves a man that he's walked beside for, for, for years, he's going to betray him. He's going to turn him into those Pharisees. He knows that one of the men, one of his friends, is going by, in 24 hours is going to deny the fact that he even knows him. That's what he's about. He knows that most of them, when he gets arrested, are going to scatter like the wind, completely confused and scared to death that anyone would recognize that they know him. 
He knows this is it. He knows this is the end. He knows this is his last chance to be with them. He knows that this is his last chance to teach them. So it's pretty important dinner. Are you there? I just want to point this out. Knowing all that, knowing all about what's transpired, one of the first verses in that chapter says, having loved his own, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved those guys. So I want you to imagine a scene with me. So basically how it was, they went in the upper room and there was a table, kind of a low, low table. You know the pictures you've seen? Uh, they're not photos, in case you think that. But you know the pictures you've seen, uh, the high back chairs, the big tall table and all that? That's completely inaccurate. That's not what it looked like, okay? It's a, it's a low table and there was kind of pillows on the floor and everyone kind of just sat around on the floor, kind of propped up on pillows. And, uh, and, and so that's, that's how the dinner, and, and Jesus is kind of positioned at the center because he's going to serve everyone the, the Passover feast. And uh, it doesn't look probably anything like your family dinner. It's like a, just a bunch of dudes lounging around the floor. It's different. That's what it says happens. Uh, it says that he, uh, Jesus took the bread. And you can read about this in all the Gospels. Jesus takes the bread and he, he essentially he breaks it up and he hands it to each disciple. Hands a piece to each disciple. And this is what he says. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, you've heard this before, right? You've heard this when we do communion. He said, do this in remembrance of me. What is he saying? He's telling them, it won't be long, guys. This is going to be me. This is going to be me. They're going to break my body. So do this in remembrance of me. Now, you have to be the disciples for just a second. If you're a disciple, what are you doing? You're going, what? I mean, this is not the first time Jesus has told them, one of these days, guys, they're going to kill me. I'm going to have to die for you. It's not the first time Jesus said this. So they're just sitting there. They're supposed to be a Passover celebration. They're supposed to be, this is a Jewish tradition. This is what we do. Instead, Jesus is looking at them. He's saying, guys, he's, he's teaching. He said, guys, look here. This is what's about to happen. Remember me when they do this to me. I said, then Jesus took the wine and he held it up. He poured a glass for everybody and held it up. He said, this cup is a new covenant between God and and his people. This is an agreement confirmed with my blood. This wine is my blood. And it's going to be poured out as a sacrifice for you. Remember me. Now, I don't know exactly what follows, but I have this vision of Jesus and his guys, you know. So Jesus does that, and the guys kind of take it in, and they're just listening, you know. So Jesus, he's always doing weird stuff. And uh, I think Jesus just, if you want my personal opinion, this is how I imagine it, but Jesus kind of sits back. And the guys start being guys, right? They start talking. And they're telling stories. Man, you remember that time when, when Jesus healed that blind man, slapped that mud on his eyes? I didn't know what he was doing. They start telling all these tales and telling all these stories, all these things that happened. And somehow in the conversation, though, egos got involved, okay? You ever stood in a, or listened to a group of men stand in a circle and talk? It don't take long, okay? 
I was out there just a minute ago. A guy told me he killed a 12 point from 7,000 yards. Uh, I mean, it just doesn't take long. It just doesn't take long. Egos get involved. And all of a sudden, it says the disciples was like, man, I'm going to do this. And I can't wait till we go here. And we're going to do that. I, and they, and it, somehow, in it, the, the theme of it, though, was who was the greatest? Who was the smartest? Who was the strongest? And I just imagine Jesus. Now, make sure you're putting yourself where Jesus was and everything that Jesus knows. And he's sitting there listening to those guys. And he knows what's about to come. And I just imagine him sitting there listening to him. And all of a sudden, he stands up. I'm sure they all looked at him. He stands up and he walks across the room. He reaches and takes his robe off. He reaches down and he picks up this big old towel and he wraps it around and he ties it to his waist. He reaches and gets a pail, pours water in it. And he turns around and he looks at him. Now, you may not know this, but it was customary in that day and age when you were about to sit down and eat dinner together that the, the servant, the lowliest servant of the house, would come and would wash the feet of the disciples. Well, Jesus was sitting there listening to those guys the whole time, and I think he looked and he knew and he saw that had never been done. No one had taken that upon themselves to do that. So now Jesus is standing there. Jesus walks over. The first disciple he comes to, he kneels down at his feet, just like this. He takes the water. He begins to wash his feet. Can you imagine the disciples? Can you imagine what they were thinking? This is their teacher. This is their Lord, right? Can you imagine what they're thinking? Here's Jesus looking at them, knowing everything that he knows. And he's washing their feet. And he takes the towel, and he pats it dry, and he gets up, and he slides to the next one. And he squats down at their feet, and he washes their feet. Every single one, he goes around the room making eye contact with them, looking at them. I'm sure they, are just, they don't even know what to do. They don't know what to say. Matter of fact, it says Peter protested, and Jesus stopped him and said, No, you need me to do this. And he washes their feet, every single one. And I want you to read these verses with me. John chapter 13, verses 12 through 15. It says, after washing their feet, he put on his robe again. And he sat down and he asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord. And you are right. Because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. <laughs> Read that, man. verse 15. I've given you an example to follow. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think he means just now. I think he means for three and a half years. He said, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. Now, just in case you're wondering, he wasn't talking about washing people's feet. There was symbolism in what he did. Jesus said, do as I have done to you. And they left. If you don't know the rest of the story, man, it's a beautiful story. But everything happened just like Jesus knew it would.
So why did I tell you this story? You say, Tim, all right, you've been circling it for two months. This ought to be revolutionary, what you're about to say. We're supposed to be servants. Every single one of us, we're supposed to be servants. On his last day, in his last time, one of his last lessons before the crucifixion, Jesus made a request to his guys. He said, could you be this for me? Could you treat one another? Could you treat other people like this? Could you take care of one another like I'm taking care of you? Could you serve one another like I've served you? Now I want to stop for just a millisecond because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, this is Tim. He's about to do a serving pitch because we've been trying to get people to serve all month. Go ahead and put that in your mind. This isn't a ploy. The board's out there with the nice colored cards. That's a ploy. Okay. The testimony video where somebody talks about how uh, fulfilling serving is, is true, but it's a ploy. Okay. When I bring a little kid up here and I say, little Jimmy needs you, that is a ploy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about serving a week. I'm not talking about volunteering your time. I'm talking about who Jesus asked us to be. Jesus looked at his disciples, his followers, and he said, if you are committed to following me, if that's what you really want to do with your life, if that's what you want to do is follow me, then I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to be this. That's what you need to be. I'm not going to lead you to a life of grandeur, boys. I'm going to lead you to a life of foot washing. If you want to be the greatest, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to need you to be the least. I need you to be a servant to all, all the time. And it's going to be inconvenient and it's going to be dirty. But that's what I'm going to need you to be. That's what I've asked you to be. That's what I've been teaching you for three and a half years to be. To place others and their needs ahead and above your own. To seek to help people, to care for people, to provide for people. 24-7, every single day. When your head lifts off the pillow, the first thought should be, who am I supposed to help today? When you walk into work, I need you to be a servant When you go through your day-to-day -day life going to eat lunch and going to do this and going to do that, I need you to be a servant. When you see someone in, in a bind or in trouble, I need you to be a servant. When you see someone who seems like life's going great for them, I need you to be a servant to them as well. As a part of the body of the Christ, the church, I need you to be a servant every waking hour, every single day. It's a lifestyle. Christian and servant are supposed to be synonymous with one another. Supposed to be the same thing. The example Jesus set for us was that of the lowliest servant. 
He bowed before those men. He lowered himself before them to provide them something that they needed. It was humbling. But that's what Jesus has called us to. That is the vision and the plan that he has for us. And it wasn't the first time he asked. It's not the first time he's told us that. Matthew 20 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to what? Serve others and to give his life as a ransom. Galatians chapter 5, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. In other words, don't just use your freedom to do what you want to do. But use your freedom to what? Serve one another in love. 1 Peter chapter 4, God has given each of you a gift from this great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to what? Serve one another. We're supposed to be servants. Now I've got to ask you a question. Because this is what I feel like God asked me. How are you doing? When you look at this, when you hear this example, when you look at the example of Jesus that he was his whole life, how we do. Can I be honest with you? This is as much for me as I hope it is for you. This messed me up. Because I'm telling you, I got to thinking about things. I got to thinking about how my brain works now. The pattern that I had gotten in in my life. I started asking myself questions like this, and I'm going to ask you guys so you can be thinking about it. How often, how often do you start your day and you go, okay, God, everything I me is yours. My time's yours, my money's yours, my, my, any, my ability's yours, everything's yours. You help me help people. You show me who you want me to serve today. You start your days like that? How often do you stop what you're doing, your Life progression, your day-to-day, how often do you pause it, hit pause on it because you see something that needs to happen and you go and you help? You see a person who is in a bind or in trouble or just something that you know that you could do, something that you could provide. How often is it in your life where you hit the pause button and you say, okay, no more about me and what I'm doing, but I'm going to do something for them? I tell you, man, when I answer these questions, it messed me up. How often do we sacrifice? Sacrifice what we have. I mean, I mean, not sacrifice where like one day we'll get paid back for it. I mean, just like sacrifice something and it's gone. Completely inconvenienced. How often are we getting our hands dirty for someone else? How often does that happen? Would you describe it as a lifestyle? I'm telling you guys, man, I've done a poor job. It's oftentimes about me. I find myself thinking a lot about how I get ahead, how I'm going to spend my money, thinking about what somebody can do for me, whether something makes me happy or not, whether something's, in, whether something's convenient for me to do or not, 
whether I have time or not, whether I can work it into my schedule or into my hunting or whatever it is I got going. I even find myself every once in a while pointing and saying, man, somebody should help them. When I look at my life, it's not often enough that I'm wondering how I can elevate or help the people around me. I don't find myself thinking a lot about how my money could help somebody. I don't think often enough about how I can bless somebody. Seldom look at God and say, hey, God, who am I supposed to help today? Just give me a project. Sometimes I go through the whole day and don't even ask if I should help somebody. Boy, this is an uplifting sermon, ain't it, guys? Um, as I read this and I thought about myself man and, and the areas I fell short I got to thinking about people that I know that do this there's uh, you know some servants I'll tell you one thing at this church I feel like we're blessed with some people who are servants I mean not just they serve here I mean their day to day life they're servants and I bet if I asked you shake your heads yes if you agree with this but it's, I think I think you could I think you could point some people out in this church that are servants. Man, they live this. Their life's about helping people and doing for people. We could, man, and I tell you, I'm, we're blessed with them here. I tell you, when I compare myself to them, I want to tell you about one I don't think you know, because I think it just epitomizes what I'm talking about. Uh, there's a guy that comes to church here, he, uh, and uh, I've been trying to think all, all uh, week how to describe him, I guess, and, uh, or his situation. And uh, This is the best way I know to say it. it would, uh, you'd have to try hard to have less. Does that make sense? I mean, you would, you would have to really try to have less. For whatever reason, life difficulties, I mean, even decisions he's made, I mean, he's not perfect or anything, but, but you would have to try hard to have less than this guy has. He comes to church here, uh, was very faithful, and uh, had some limiting factors, you know, but man, when he could be at something, he was at something. I remember him getting saved. I remember him being baptized here. Matter of fact, he was baptized, one of the first baptisms we had at this building. And uh, one day out of the blue, he, he walked up to Scott Lee. And uh, he walked up to Scott, and he said, here, man, uh, use that. And he handed Scott an envelope. And uh, in the envelope, Scott opened it up, and there was a little note and uh, a little stack of gift cards, like Walmart and Ingalls gift cards. And he said, uh, and then the little note said, please give these to anybody you know who needs them. I'm going to tell you something. It was unbelievable. Like when, it, when we realized what it was, it rocked us to the core. Because there's no telling what, he, what meals he skipped, what he had to do to scrape that money together. But man, every so often, every month or two, there you come. Another envelope. And then it'd be Ingalls gift cards that he'd saved up. And 
ball. He ended up, uh, had a really good opportunity and had to move away. And he came to us at the church, came and talked to us. He said, man, I've got to leave. I was just sick about it. I just hate it. You know, but it was a much better situation for him. And so, uh, and so he uh, moved away. Just a few months went by. We got a letter from him. Opened up the letter. What do you think was in it? More gift cards. We never advertised it. We never asked for it. It was not anything. I'll tell you what it was. He sat down and he looked at his life after he asked Christ into his life. He said, all right, I'm going to follow Jesus, and this is what I want to do. And he looked, and he said, I'm going to tell you, he understood who he was supposed to be. And I'm going to tell you, I know that in all other areas of his life. That's what he wanted to be. I talked to him hundreds of times. That's who he wanted to be. And he looked, and he said, well, I can't do this, and I can't do that, and I can't be dependable in this way, but here's what I can do. You know what it was? He said, I can scrape together a little bit of money, and I can buy a gift card, and I can get that to somebody who can do something for somebody else. And guys, when I hear that and when I looked at that, I realize I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Not to the level I need to be. And I'm not being who Jesus asked me to be. Is that who you'd like to be? Think about that, man. Think about that. Jesus and his disciples sitting there. Would you like to be that? Would you like to be a servant to the people around you? It's not glitzy, and I can't make it glitzy. I can't make it glamorous. And I know the whole mood of this has, has been that way, but I can't. I want to tell you, that's what I want for this church more than anything. That's what I want for me more than anything. I want to be, I want to be that. I want to be a servant. I want, to, I want to serve the people around me. That's what I want to be. You know why? Because that's who Jesus wants me to be. That's who he was, and that's who he wants me to be. If you do, I'm going to tell you three things I think you need to do. If you want to be a servant, if you want to start being who Christ asked us to be, I'm going to give you three things to do. First off, look up. And you got to look up. And you got to look to God and you got to say, God, who do you want me to help today? I'll tell you, he's the director. He's the director in this thing. And he will, he will take you to people. He will show you who you're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing. So you got to look up. The second thing is you have to look within. I'll tell you, a lot of times our hang-up is, is we don't think we have anything to offer. And I'm telling you, you do. You, you've got an abundance of stuff. It's not meant for you. You have abilities, you have skills, you got resources, you got stuff, man, and it's meant for other people. We're supposed to be shelling that out. Going and hitting our knees in front of people and helping. But thirdly, guys, we gotta look around. I won't tell you I thought about this a lot, and it's just the image I had, but man, in my life I am always on I am I am on go. 
I am living and I am ongoing. I'm going to tell you, I, I hit the ground running in the mornings with my head down, my blinders on, going to do what I came in this, woke up today to do, whether that's get to work, get here, do this, go to home, do the farm, do the corn, you know, the corn and stuff we do, we do, go deer hunting, you know, so I can get in the way. I mean, I have my blinders on in my head down. I'm going to tell you something, we need to start looking around because that's how we live most every day is going through not looking around at the people around us. I'm going to tell you, when we look, I've already started doing this, and I'm going to tell you something, when you look, you'll be amazed at how many opportunities there are to just serve someone and love somebody. You know what I think is so awesome about this is that you know, the theme of the theme of the Lord's Supper, which is Jesus with his disciples. You know, the theme was Jesus broke the bread and what did he say? This is my body. What did he say? Remember me. He poured the wine. He said, This is my blood. What did he say? Remember me. I want to tell you something, I don't think the theme changed any. I think when Jesus got up and washed their feet, washed the disciples' feet. I think as he was sitting there, I think he was looking at him. He's saying, you know what? If you'll do this, if this is who you will choose to be, the world will remember me. They will. It'll be so contrary to the way the rest of the world lives. See, the rest of the world is all about getting theirs and getting through and whatever, survive, whatever. But if you live this way, if you live the life of a servant, everyone will know. Everyone will know that I am still here, that I am still alive. They will know that you belong to me. They will know that I still work through my people. It will take this world by storm. And I'll tell you this, if we were to live that way, this community would know that Jesus is real. They would know that Jesus is alive and they would know that we belong to him. There would be no question of it. Worrying about kids and having volunteers in the back would be the least of our worries. There would be so many needs that were met because we were living the way Jesus asked us to live. Now I want to tell you, I love you. And I know so many of you do. And maybe there's some areas of your life where you do well. When I was talking to trustees this morning, that's what we talked about. Sometimes, sometimes, man, in some ways we, we kind of compartmentalize our lives where we do well like this or we'll serve when it's like this or it's this particular situation, but we won't in other situations. I'm telling you guys, this is something we believe in. This is something that I believe in, and this is something that we have to do. It's, it's who we have to be completely our whole life. If we will do that, I'm telling you, this world will change. Your world will change, and the people around you will change. Fair enough? Let me pray for you. I hadn't planned on doing this at all, man. I hadn't even thought about it. I'm going to do this, man. If uh, Guys, this is an important moment for us.
if that's who you want to be, if you want to be a servant, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to slip by your seat. I'm going to ask you to come up here, and I'm going to ask you to pray for that very fact. If you want to live your life every single day, and you want it to be about the people around you, You want it to be about those guys you work with or, the, or if you want to be about those ladies down there at work or whatever. If you want it to be about them and you want to love them and you want to serve them in spite of who they are or how dirty they are or how aggravating they are or how difficult it is or how inconvenient it is, if that's what we want to be, then I'm going to ask you, man, either you, you don't have to come up here, but I'm going to tell you, I want to encourage you to come up here because this can be a moment for you right now. Man, I have this moment. have an amazing opportunity guys to serve one another it's what Jesus asked us to do it's who he asked us to be